0: Y'all, welcome back to Fourth Wall. Today we are here with Brandon Nace. Come on. <laughs>
1: I'm not warm this morning. <laughs> <Ooh. either. clears throat> Get there, Corey. Get there, Corey. Get there.
0: Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Glad to be here.
1: Yay. Okay, so let's let's jump right on in. So what, Brandon? What um how did you find theater? What, what was it for you? Who was it for you? Where were you when you found it? You know, what was that spark, you know, that was like, I wanna do this for the rest of my life?
2: So I guess it started in high school. I was doing shows at well, no, in middle school, I did theater. Um, and it was just like a, I don't know, it was an elective. I, I was like, well, I guess I'll do mm-hmm. the choir and I'll do theater. Um, and, you know, back then, you don't think, like, oh, this is just what I do. But you're just like, oh, this seems kind of interesting to me. So I did theater in, like, middle school. I remember doing, like, this this play, like, Phantom of the E-R-R. And I was, like, the phantom, <laughs> like, of an emergency room. It was awful and wild. But also I was, like, I have a leading role. <laughs> so exactly um and then I got to high school and I I did theater I took like a theater class but I didn't do like shows because they weren't very good um at my high school um looking back I know that's that's what it was for me because I was I also kind of started doing shows at our community theater So then I was like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to do musicals or plays or whatever, then I'm going to do it at the community theater. And yeah, it was just like a fun thing to do. And I was good at it. And it felt just like comfortable. And I think the first show that I did at the community theater was Joseph. And
1: Come on, Joseph.
2: (laughs) And it was like... First of all, I was like a freshman in high school, but it was like with adults. And it was like a crazy party show because it was so short. And then we would like hang out after every show. So it was just like the experience and the camaraderie and the community. And so then I was hooked. And I remember a friend was like, they're doing AIDA, you need to be in AIDA. Like that show's perfect for you. And I was like, what's AIDA? And I'll never forget, we were like in class And she like slid me a a CD that she had burned for me um, of the Aida cast album. And I was like, I remember looking at it and she, I remember she had written Aida. And then like, there was like a little square and inside it said, Tomb of Doom. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? What is this about? And I went home and I listened to Aida front back and was like, oh my gosh, I have to be in this show. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned and I was the mayor of It was like, come on. Yes. It was, yeah. So I I did theater in uh, community theater all through high school, like all the way through senior year. Um, And then when I went to college, I got my undergraduate music education. And so ultimately it was like, and we're done with theater completely. Um, I had no time to do musicals ever because getting a degree in music was just like insane, absolutely insane. Um, I remember when I like started at UNT, they were like, if you want to graduate in four years, you have to take full summer school loads every summer as a music major. And I was like, no, (laughs) So I graduated in five years because I traveled a lot in the summer. Like I traveled to sing and I was like, I'm going to do that instead. I don't care if it takes me five years. And then when I. Uh, graduated I moved I actually moved back to my hometown with teaching I replaced my middle school choir director at my middle school and was the middle school choir director and then I replaced then I became I moved up to the high school that I went to and I was my high school choir director's assistant oh it was awful it was ooh, horrible. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> never, mind. <laughs> never mind, never <laughs> mind, never mind. Never mind, never mind. The middle school was like, okay, because I was doing my own program and we like turned it around like in an incredible way. Um, The high school was not good because the director was, who I like had looked up to was just very problematic. Mm. Trump supporter. Like, yeah. Oh
0: oh no oh, wait a minute no thank you yes but
2: well, when I moved back I started doing shows at the community theater again um I did 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee and I did Les Mis, and I was like oh, I miss this and everybody the thing that started to get like the wheels turning was people were like who are you did you just come here to do this show did they bring you here to do this show? <laughs> and i was like born and raised in this town lived here for 18 years been gone for like i um but uh, people were like who are you and what are you doing in amarillo and i was like what am i doing in amarillo <laughs> <laughs> i don't like the teachers that i'm with i don't and then stuff started happening at school. Like um, another teacher called me the N-word um, oh. and it was like swept under the rug, just kind of like ignored.
0: Oh no. Nice. So I was like,
2: okay, something's got to change. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to try it. And so I decided to audition for grad school, auditioned to OCU and I auditioned to NYU. I got into both. OCU was just like, mirror image of my undergrad, didn't Mm. seem like it was gonna be that challenging, Um, was comfortable. And when I finished my audition, I met with voice teachers and they were like, so why don't you just go to New York? Like that was their first question. And I was like, great question. I I think I will. (laughs) And so I got into NYU and I went to New York and got my master's in vocal performance concentration musical theater, um, learned how to act better, (laughs) and learned how to sing eight shows a week vocally, um, healthily. And yeah, have been working since I graduated in 2015. Um, have done some cool gigs, have done some work with some amazing directors who shaped who I am and I I look at as mentors and kind of put me where I am today as it pertains especially to Broadway for racial justice.
0: Yes. Everybody note how that man said he wanted Quick. to sing
2: uh-uh. like uh-uh.
0: well and healthily. Healthily children. Uh-oh.
1: Oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We gotta Uh-oh. be we
0: can't be singing in the back of our throats. We cannot be. Ooh. 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 Okay. I don't know who needed to hear that. <laughs> I don't know who needed to hear that, but that's for you, sweetheart. Please stop.
1: That's somebody's <laughs> testimony this morning. That is somebody's testimony. Okay, I have a funny story about <clears throat> burning CD, like burning CDs. So for some reason, when I was younger, I, used to, I don't know what was going on in my mind, but I used to think that when it came to burning CDs, all I had to have was a blank CD, and I could write whatever song or whatever album I wanted on it, and then magically it would appear on the CD. I don't know what was running through my head. But for the longest time, I I remember like writing like when Get Me Body came out by Beyonce, I would literally I kept writing. I was like, why is it not picking it up? I was like, why is it not? Because I used to have the TV that you can like put DVDs in and like it would play like CDs and DVDs and it would not play Get Me Bodied. I was like, I want to hear Get wow. Me Body and it did not play. But I've been delivered. I've been delivered. God is a healer and I've also, been delivered. How many
2: people do you think are listening to this and don't know what we mean when we say burn a CD?
1: I was, thinking, I was I was like, if you haven't
2: got the fear. virus
0: on your family's home computer using LimeWire, <laughs>
2: I'm looking at my computer and my computer doesn't have a disc.
1: Yeah, like, like no the newer computer. like MacBook. My computer is like
2: 15 years old and it doesn't have like a disc input. But just for the young children, what you <laughs> used to be able to do is if you like had music <laughs> on your computer, you could insert a, a disc and put it onto that disc, and so then. And, you know, it was kind of like the new mixtapes were like tapes, which Mm -hmm. mixtapes too. And then CDs were like, burning a CD was kind of like making a mixtape, but on a disc.
0: Yes. Because kids, you didn't have the aux cord, okay, in the car. So you had to make Mm -hmm. those travel playlists, okay? We had to make them somehow.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. They used to be quite popular. The year that um, Chicken Noodle Soup came out. I'll never forget my my uh, favorite cousin had like a sweet 16 and she literally made her own like mixtape and it had like chicken noodle soup. It had, uh, what's the song? Do your chain, hang low, do it wobble to the flow. Um, there was like two other songs that were like the famous like dancey songs. And when I tell y'all I wore that CD out, wore it out. That's me. Let's move on, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so Brandon,
0: you're in New York, you're living the dream. You're living your career as a successful performer. What happened when you were like, I need to create something to handle this issue?
2: Well, living the dream, successful career is probably, uh, um, I guess the question is like, what does that mean per se? Mm -hmm. Um, Because so my first professional gig which was in between my two years of grad school was Les Mis at the Dallas Theater Center and Liesl Tommy directed it and Liesl Tommy South African just like incredible woman just I mean yeah that she's I look up to Lisa Tommy so much and I hadn't done a professional gig. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, you know. I I was like scared. I was nervous. I, I it was like Lisa, Tommy, and all of these people. And there was this moment in in a rehearsal, and I was um I had this solo that started the first act. That's like, let them come if they dare, <laughs> and it was like the high note, and everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> I would like never really just like go for it. I was always like timid and da da da, da. And I'll never forget Lisa being like, okay, hold, Brandon, stay. And I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And she like walked up to me and was like, so close. Am I? And she was just like, you have, <laughs> you have so much power within you, so much power. And you have to let it go. You have to release it. And you have to trust yourself. It's stunning. It's beautiful and we want to see it and I was just like like paralyzed in that moment but truly that moment was like oh, okay and I did Les Mis, and then I went back to New York and back to school and we did Man of La Mancha and I played Miguel Cervantes Don Quixote and it was like it, you wouldn't have thought that I was the same actor a month ago that did Les Mis as the person now. And it was like a flip switch. I was like, okay, she's right. I do. I have I have this ability and I need to use it. And also, you know, through so much conversation in that show, it was about revolution. and And the way that it was done, that particular production was like, very modern. Like all of our clothing was modern. The setting was modern. None of the lyrics or words changed. It was just like, this is a modern story revolution. And while we were doing that show, the protests were happening in Ferguson. And so we were going home at night and she was like, this is what this is about. This is what's happening in this show. It's revolution. It's protest. It's burning shit to the ground, like a barricade, you know, and so kind of from then on, it was just like, okay, we don't pander. We stand in our strength, we stand in our power, and we speak truth to power. And we that's how we that's how we move through this world and move to this business. And then I graduated and started working. And I was like, oh, that's actually not how anybody moves through this world or in this business because oh you, you won't work. But I was like, oh well, like. It is what it is. And so I always was the person to be like, that's racist and you can't do that. And everybody's kind of like, did he just say that? And I'm like, yeah, this is like, so I guess because of that experience, I had always, as I started working and started seeing that people would just have to sit in silence and deal with abuse and racism and like trauma on top of trauma I was like oh no we need something because you know there are other organizations that speak out for other issues and the black community and the communities of color in the theater community have given so much have supported this business in unmentionable like in ways that we, we can't even put into words and I was like and the fact that we're not supported is just not acceptable and so I, I had always said I wanted to start some because I had always said like well there needs to be like because we would collect you know and I think it's February or it's multiple times a year when they collect it, it shows for BCFA and I'm like well where's the collection reparations for us <laughs> I was like yeah. Something. What? Why is there no no? And I was just like, and why is, does nobody speak about racism in the theater community? Like, what is going on? It was so confusing to me. And so, you know, this summer came around, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna do it. At the end of the day, I had, I looked around, and I didn't see anybody in that exact moment that I looked around doing mm-hmm. or saying anything. And so I said, okay, I'm just gonna do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So going into that, so how did you go about finding the team that you wanted to work with to, you know, make your voice heard and, you know, share your platform? So how did you go about finding um, the people who back you up?
2: You know, so your the, team, first thing, the first thing I did was reached out to a friend that I actually grew up with in Amarillo, who lives in New York, who's a lawyer. Um, so that was the very first thing I did. This is what I want to do. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And my friend Brian has like been with me every step of the way with Broadway for Racial Justice, secured our pro bono legal team, all of that stuff. Um, so that was like the first thing of knowing, like, legally, how do I formulate? What forms do I need to fill out? And then after that, I was putting together a team, um, the board of directors, and then like an advisory board. And I was just like, I need to look to my left and my right and see who, who I already speak to about these things and who already stands with me on these issues. And that's what I did. I looked around and I was like, oh yeah, you, you, oh, and you, and you. And some of them were like close friends. Some of them were just like acquaintances that I'd met a couple times or just like followed on Instagram, but was like, oh no, something's telling me that you, that I need you with me for this journey. And so that's how, that's how it happened. And we started, you know, meeting and planning and executing and yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Making moves and making them quick.
0: Okay. We put, oh, black people. Okay. (laughs) We not not playing around. We're not playing around. Okay. Um, You've created so many like really exciting and powerful initiatives within Broadway for Racial Justice. Uh, could you think of one that you were like most proud of, or um, required the most like labor of love to get started up? Um, one that just really like is has a special place in your heart, or it could be all of them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. Well, I mean, we started on the like the the two pillars that are our our emergency assistance fund and the hotline. Those were like the two things that I was like, this is what we need to do to start. And I remember when we like launched the hotline and like the emergency assistance fund went up like applications that are currently up, you can go to our website and apply for emergency assistance. Um, that was huge to, to know, like we're providing, we are in a, in a space to be able to give money to people of color who are struggling right now and that it's not steeped in white supremacy to, to be able to get it. Um, and we, there is a space for people to call into to speak with another person of color, whether it's just like, I just need to talk to somebody and get advice or could you advocate on my behalf? I think those two things are just like central to, to what, what we wanted to do and are huge. And I'm um, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: Also on the website, Look, I think something that's really cool is on your volunteer page, like you have a section for BIPOC artists and non-BIPOC so that you can make sure that only BIPOC artists are dealing with sensitive issues that other BIPOC artists might be worried to t- talk about. Like that's something that people don't think about. Like people are sometimes worried to bring up issues to a group of people who are, a part of the oppressive group that are starting those issues. Um, So Mm -hmm. I just want to say, I love that. I love that that is even a thing because it's so smart Mm -hmm. and such a way to like already make people feel safe before they even reach out, which is awesome.
1: So Brandon, why do you think people are so invested now? Why do you think now a lot of our community is turning and they're like, wait, yes, this is important. Cause you know, they might've thought it in their heads but never really acted upon it, you know? So why do you think now, Why why now?
2: You know? I mean, that's a question that I've asked everyone. Um, We've -hmm. had like a lot of white ally guests on IG Lives and such and I was like, why is it now? And they're always like, well, George Floyd and we had no option but to look at it. Like everybody was at home. Mm -hmm. Everybody was just watching TV at home and that's what was on TV at home. A black man being murdered in the street by cops. And so I think that emotionally, psychologically, mentally, they couldn't escape it and they had no choice but to deal with it and confront, confront it and to make sense of it and to understand that it didn't make sense, like in trying to make sense of it, that it did not make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, that that is what started it. I think. And then of course we had an election and we're still, like, in the midst of that, kind of. But it's also been interesting to see, like, you know, it, it felt, it and I knew it was going to feel this way very, like, um, okay, well, we need to get Biden-Harris into office, and then everything's going to be fine. And we are very much like, no, 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 no. If you really think a president and vice president of the United States are going to cure racism, Uh, no absolutely not no ma'am especially in the theater community like really especially yeah but like in the no we have we have so much work to do to continue to keep pushing to keep pushing against to keep calling in and calling out and to open ourselves up to accountability and to hope that pwis will open themselves up to a relationship of accountability so that when Broadway does come back and when theater comes back, it is not to the same space that we were in because the majority of us aren't going to function in that space.
1: So let's speak on that. So in the Broadway community specifically, Brandon, what are you? What do you want to see? Like, what are you hoping? Like, becomes the you know the norm once once the industry comes back. What do you you know? What do you want to see?
2: Well. I think that there's phases of what I want to see, but I think first and foremost, like when we go back, is that there needs to be an openness and a willingness from producers, directors, choreographers, et cetera, to make sure that safe spaces are created, to make sure that they start a rehearsal by saying like, okay, we are aware of of the way things have functioned in the past, and we, we stand in making sure that that does not happen again. And here are the resources that are available to you all. Um, here are our, our organizations or, or whatever it might be that we are um, partnered with, allied with, whatever that you can utilize that are outside sources to hold us accountable in case we do screw up because this is going to be a learning process for everyone. Um, and it's going to be a lot of learning and it's going to be a lot of unlearning. Um, that's kind of like beginning stages. I think that there's so much that has to change in the business that, yeah. uh, I mean, I just, I just think of the structure, like the the top down structure and, and if we're here and there's like celebrity status on Broadway, and then there's like these non-equity actors who are struggling who, you know, when we say the words, like, when we go back, when Broadway opens back up, these people are like, what? I get to, like, go back to, like, trying to make it again. And what needs to happen is this needs to happen. Mm. Like, Mm. they need to come up, this top needs to come down as well. And we need to be like, because it's crazy that this idea of, like, socialism that, you know, is presented by people that we just voted into office, that, like, everybody's like, yes, Yes, we need that. Yes, we need that. But when we mirror it into our own business, people ain't quick to be like, oh, okay, well, I'll give up some of my space. And people are like, oh, well, I have to put food on the table. I, ha- I have to feed my kids. And I'm like, we all do, sis. We all do. And it, you up here, like, coming down a little bit so that we're all on a level playing field, it's not going to, it's not, you're still going to be able to, to put food on the table.
0: It's it just, just might not,
2: not like, be like caviar, you know. Exactly. But he's still gonna feed. Come on, him. exactly. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And then, it, and then that becomes a question of self reflection. Like, am I okay with not eating caviar if that means that other people get to eat, and I might be eating the same thing as them? Yeah. And I'm. There's no question there. Of course. <laughs>
0: there's no. Yes. Yeah. Oof. Jesus. Oh God. Um, where was I going with? This? Oh, yes. Okay. So like we were just saying, there are a lot of different issues within the theater community when you're dealing with, um, trying to figure out which initiative or which certain section you want to focus on. How do you decide what you want to focus on now and what you want to focus on next?
2: I think it's also looking around at the other organizations and seeing what they're doing and knowing like, okay, well, they're kind of covering that and, Like where, I think that's a big part of it because there are so many organizations doing this vital work. And I think that's how it has to be. Like we need multiple groups of people organizing, speaking, um, doing the work. So I think that's kind of what it is, looking around and being like, okay, well, they've got that and they've got that. And then, you know, knowing what we've heard from the community of like, well, we need this, or we need this and saying like, okay, well, we think that we can take that on. And nobody else is doing that right now, so that's kind of how it has worked thus far. We are very quick, though. To um, you know, we respond like our DMs are open. We respond to DMs. I um, people reach out to me a lot, and they're like, "I had this idea," and and I'm like, "Okay, like let's let's hear it. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can't, but we could like figure out a different way to do something." You know? Um, yeah.
0: Yes. So this episode is coming out after it has already happened, but I'm sure it's gonna happen again because it's so extremely successful right now. Look at let's talk about this Instathon and let's talk about yes, how it started, yes. how you got people on board. Like yes, awesome.
2: So the Instathon is first of all, it's crazy. Like
1: <laughs> oh, it's
2: wild. I've been I've been keeping up. It's wild. It's wild. So we we had. I had kind of decided like, we should have a team of like ambassadors, like that are predominantly white people who kind of like amplify us and amplify our work, who have large followings. So kind of activating white people and their ability to, and I think a lot of people like, you know, of course right now it's the fundraising, that's how they're, but even them pointing people to our Social media or website, mm-hmm. the resources that we have for people to learn about, you know, allyship and transformative justice and the lives that we've done that are all saved, and those are great resources, especially for like younger people to learn and and like start implanting that into their head as they move out of a space of like whether it's university in the theater program or or even high school or community theater. Um, And then there is this idea of like, they can also help us with funding. And that is what the Instathon um, was. And it was just like an idea that I had. I was like, if we had this like day where like everybody was doing all of these lives together and trying to raise money and like trying to outbid each other. And it was like, you know, like a telethon, but like via Instagram. And I had some meetings with our fiscal sponsors, the Producer Hub and we were talking about dates and they're like, well, you know, like if you did it on that week of giving of of the fifth, like you maybe should think about like starting on giving Tuesday because that's, and I was like, oh yeah, duh. Like, why would I not think of that? And so ultimately it kind of became this like week long thing that now in my mind, I'm like, okay, every year, this is what it is. We start on giving Tuesday and we push all the way till the actual event, which is this Saturday. Um, And on this Saturday, I think the crazy thing is, is like, the event is where the money is supposed to, is supposed to be raised um, um, because it'll be like, everybody will do these 30 minute matchups on their Instagrams and where they're like, okay, we're just trying to raise money in this moment. And whoever raises the most money in these 30 minutes, they advance onto the next round. But we like made it a little more like, you know, juicy and saying like, actually, you'll get to start raising money on Tuesday so you have from tuesday until the end of your 30 minute round on saturday and at the end of those 30 minutes whoever has raised the most money they move on to the next round and ultimately by the end of saturday saturday night there'll be like a big championship instagram live and somebody will be crowned the instant champ and you know they'll have those bragging rights for the year and then we will hopefully have raised a lot of money and I mean, quite frankly, we already have raised a lot of money. Yeah, no, they're like in the kids 000? are in their money. Yes, like. yes, and it's crazy because we initially I was like, I think we're gonna make our goal twenty five thousand, and then I don't know what it was, but something said, I think if we're doing a week long, I, I think we can do, let's double it, let's do fifty, and nobody really like you know, I, I, the board, I always run, we always make decisions together. And I was like, I think I want to change it to 50. And I just got like thumbs up. (laughs) So I was like, okay. And so here we are today is Friday. The Instathon is tomorrow. Um, It's Friday morning, 10 35 AM. And we're sitting at like, I think $35,000. Come on. So we're only, we're only 15,000 away from our, yeah. $35,607. We're only $15,000 away from our goal. Um,
0: yes. And you got some heavy hitters, okay? You got people. We're talking about, like, Andrew Barth Feldman, Rob McClure, Renee Rapp, Ashley De La Rosa, Kyle Selig, Ben Cole. Name them all. I name mean, them
1: all.
0: I'm just thinking about <laughs> the, the people that we love, okay? Like, you have, like, heavy hitters, especially people, like you were saying, like, picking um, – white allies who not only really believe in this cause and picking um uh people who are in the industry that really support it but also making sure that they have not just a large following but a large following of people who also want to support these causes and have like-minded um people that they're interacting with right. like that's and this, also the,
2: and one of the things that we've heard this week from people is that like some of their fans slid in their dns and were like some of their fans of color slid in their DMs and were like, I had no idea about Broadway for Racial Justice. Thank you for making me aware of it. I went on their Instagram, was able to look at the resources. Like, this is amazing. Thank you for supporting this organization that is obviously seeking to bring about change. So it's it's been like a, a crazy week of like, we're raising a lot of money and we're also raising a lot of awareness at the same time. Come on.
0: Yes. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, what are your goals heading into 2021? You know, everybody's excited to get the heck out of 2020. Everyone mm. is anxiously waiting. What are your goals for this upcoming year? What where do you want not just Broadway for racial justice, but where do you want Brandon to go? What are you what are you envisioning for yourself?
2: Oh wow, that's <laughs> You know, we've been in such a space of like taking it a day at a time, and we are very much in like a planning space as well, especially going into the new year. We did kind of decide that for us, you know, we started in June, and so our like programming year and our like our year would be June to June, June to May, but June to June. Um, And so, you know, we have a list of, Program Programming as it pertains to like concerts or stuff like that. That's like fundraising. And then we have things that we've already started, like the casting directive um, that starts in January. The cohorts were already chosen. Um, and that's about a two month long um, directive in which 11 BIPOC are going to learn about casting and be able to enter into the casting profession upon completion of the directive. Um yeah, I, I, I'm just like, I want to, as the person that started it and as a person who sees where things need to change in the business, I'm very much like, okay, so in five years, I just want to, I want the programming initiatives, campaigns that we have started to to be able to function um, for this organization to just be able to kind of like, function to have a paid staff to be able to like work for the community um so that I can kind of like take a step back and like okay somebody else take over now (laughs) I'm very much like I very much feel that I am in an interesting situation and that like I have close friends that are Tony award winners I have close friends that are non-equity I walk this like rope of like being able to like talk to all these different communities and i just want to make sure and i think that that's important and i want to make sure that the leadership of bfrj is always like that which means that i'm not afraid to be like i'm getting older i'm not like in communication with the same people that i was so i need to step aside and somebody else who can speak with all these communities and has those connections needs to take over um which is something that I, you know, we've all been hearing about as it pertains to like directors of theater companies that have been there for like 50 years. And it's like, do you still need, do you still need, don't you think maybe we could have a new vision? Um, So I guess I'm like, you know, just get BFRJ to a place where it is functioning well, and then pass it off to the next um, leader. To to like take it to the next level, yes,
0: yeah. And for me, I
2: for me, I <laughs> I don't know. It's such a, I'm like, is theater ever gonna come back? First of all,
1: <laughs> it's, it just must. I'm not taking any other any other option. It just,
2: I don't know. I you know, I just want to. At the for for me, I am not like. I want to star in this show. I want to play this role. I'm just like, it'd be great if, you know, I could pay my student loans off by doing what I went to school for, which was theater. Mm. Um, and whether that's theater in New York on quote unquote Broadway or a regional theater, I just want to be able to, to um, do my work and make enough money to support my family. That's where I'm at
0: yes yes and that is that is how at least that's how i define success like in school they were like how do you define success what does success as an actor mean to you and it's like if i can pay my bills sure. and like so like sustain myself only doing what i love to do and what i was trained to do that's i'm chilling we're chillin'.
2: yep. hmm yes and i just want to work against the ideas and the the bullshit capitalism of this business it's like well i want to win a tony and i want to have like five broadway credits and i and i'm just like "No, no 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 um because innately that's in us like to want those things we're conditioned to want those things and so i'm like i have to work against that i feel like that's what we all have to do this these like ideas of like an award that like what does it mean what exactly does like a tony mean um Tonys are about money (laughs) that's like that's what the Tonys are about um so yeah I just don't want to like get wrapped up in in the things that we have been wrapped up for so long um I just want to perform and pay my bills and support my family so
1: Okay. Speaking of the Tonys, are they happening? Is there a date? Is there a host? I mean, they sent out the nominees, but we just been sitting for a long time. What, what's going on? We know nothing.
2: I'm going to tell you right now, you're talking to the wrong one because my wish would that they'd be like, we're not doing the Tonys. And I would be like, "Woo, yeah. yes, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. We don't need them now, yeah, forever again um that's my my radical viewpoint um (laughs) i feel that they are steeped in white supremacy um yeah it's just it's a no for me dog
1: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm here with you you know i'm only so pressed because i want to see adrian get her tony because it's just it should have been a long time ago but just Tina was the last show I saw before, you know, Broadway and the world shut down. And when I tell y'all, I was like, if anything, she carried that show as she should have, as she, you know, as we knew she would, but carried the heck out of, carried the heck out of that show. I just want to see her get a Tony. That's all. I just want to see her get a Tony. All right.
0: So Brandon. uh, She's just like, but she's above it. She's above a Tony. She's above these white spaces. Like... Like it sucks that we're everybody saying like, "Oh, Adrian should have been had this." It's like the fact that we all know that this black woman was Mm -hmm. at the top of her game for a long amount, a long periodically time. Huh? And (laughs) oh, I I agree with what you were saying. Like the idea, like the Tonys, what the Tonys aren't looking out for black people. The Tonys aren't looking out in the best interest of BIPOC artists. They really never have, um, and don't really intend to, uh, post. Corona clarity. Um, so you know, we'll we'll just keep moving. Let's just keep moving.
1: Okay. So Brandon, if you could go back and tell a young Brandon something or a young um boy, person of color, um or girl, um, that you know, what if you could go back and tell them any advice or like give them some words of wisdom, what would they be?
2: Well, I guess it's something that I learned really this year. And that would just be like, make sure you do not wait for anybody to give you permission to do anything. And when I say anybody to give you permission, I mean, society as a whole, like, please like stand outside of that. Exist outside of what you are socialized to think and do because, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt that I had to have a bigger platform to start BFRJ, that I had to have Broadway credits, that I needed to be in blah, 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 and it's just not true. That's just what society had told me based on the society that we live in, which is rooted in white supremacy. So yeah, don't wait for like permission to be granted. Just do it, just go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. We're about to thank you, Brendan, so much for sitting here. We're going to jump into Corey's favorite section of this uh, podcast is where we talk about our current obsessions. So, Brendan, what are you obsessed with right now? It could be a movie, a song, an artist, a show.
2: Well, since we're on the topic of white nonsense, um, uh. I, I was on, I was obsessed with The Undoing. Did mm. you watch it? On HBO with the. I have not hit.
0: watched it yet. Is that Wait, Hugh Grant? Is that
1: what we talked about yesterday?
2: Hugh Grant, yes. Hugh Grant. Okay. It's, I'm going to have to get into it. It was short, too. I think it was five five or six episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's already over, done. Um, absolute white nonsense. I was like, I can't, Brandon, I can't believe you allowed yourself to... <laughs> the things you did in this, when well, you already know who these people are mm-hmm. and what they're capable of,
0: that's like the crown. Just white people being messy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was good though. I mean, the act they were acting down. Nicole Kidman is always gonna like serve, correct? Um, and she she was singing the the theme song. Um, oh. Yes.
1: Not they let her get on the. They get. They they let her get in the studio. They said, just lay down a track or two. Just lay down a track.
2: Exactly. But that was Uh my that was my obsession. Even though it ended this Sun this past Sunday, that's been my current obsession.
0: Okay, Corey, what's your current obsession this week?
2: Um, I don't. I feel like I have so many.
1: Um, but I'm only gonna say one. I'm just. I'm not gonna keep it that long. No. Um. (laughs) <laughs> okay so last night I was on Twitter and I saw the new trailer for the Wendy Williams biopic that I didn't know was happening <clears throat> until I got on Twitter last night y'all I saw it who, who greenlit this I just I want to know who allowed this to you know go into production because not to no you shade but I just don't know if this is what what the people need right now I just don't think it's I just don't. But uh, and I don't know.
2: Well, they were talking about her being on coke. When yeah, she it's they. They said like in the trailer, it says like your coke addiction, and then it flashes to when she like fainted she on the fainted. show. Fainted,
1: yes, yes. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I
2: don't. Isn't it a little early to be um talking about these things when I feel like I just saw you on your show, High AF, like.
1: Yes. yes.
0: In Ivy Park yesterday.
1: yesterday. yes. 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 So I just, I don't know, but I'm obsessed with it. I've watched it a few times just so I can make sure I got, I was first, I had to look at it a few times just at the girl who's playing Wendy because I was like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but then just, you know, cause I don't know Wendy's life story. I don't, you know, I know the, how you doing? And you know, that's as much as it goes, but I was just, I might tune in. I might tune in. It's, it will be no Clark Sisters movie, but I will tune in. I will tune in to see what the kids are talking about. It's I can't say I'll wild. watch the whole thing. What'd you say?
2: It's wild. Somebody, like, oh, yeah. it my, in my DMs, they were like, "Happy you seen this? And I was like, no, this can't be real.
1: Oh, it's definitely, like, they put some good money into this. and It's definitely giving BET, like, 2006, like, 106 in Park, like, just very much, like, giving, like, all the, like, it's as black as it can get, I think. Yeah. For for Wendy, it's as black as mm-hmm. it can get. So Ooh. I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: She, <laughs> she's had a long career. Like, I know she did, like, radio for a long time before she got yep. her show. Like, I'm sure there is something inspiring to come out of that, of, like, Let's hope. fighting your way to the top by any means necessary. And, like...
1: How old is she?
0: I don't know. I don't know her
1: life. But,
0: you know, we'll be there. We'll be watching. Don't worry, Wendy. Um, oh, maybe I we hope should they do an do episode. Singer, ep- like I hope they do that. Like Mask they w- I think section. that's too I pray, recent. I, I think pray. that's too
2: recent. I think it's too recent. He was on the Masked Singer.
0: Uh, yeah, there's, seen... like this meme of her like singing. I don't know the name of the song, but it's like no it's one all over like, like TikTok. Like the door <laughs> for a Yeah, she was. <laughs> and she was so like, Masked laughing singer, they... and <laughs> tripping over the words. <laughs> yeah.
1: She, but the thing that got me is the fact that she wasn't an animal. Like most people have come on as animals, she came on as a pair of lips. So she was like lips. So she literally like, so like. Hold on, I have to get a picture. Also, she's um, fifty six. I thought she was older.
0: No, that fifty six makes it. That makes a kind of that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Current obsession, really quick. I'll just say mine before we move on. Current obsession right now is. Oh, I was doing all that Russian to not know what it is. Um, I've been rewatching oh, Psych lately. Oh
1: no!
0: Oh no! Um, which is a great show. If you guys have never watched it, about a psychic detective who's not really psychic, and it's like, um, I don't know, I forgot his name. J- Jason Rode and Dule Hill, um, huh. Black Broadway excellence. Uh, yeah. and it's just a really silly show, and it's like a sitcom that's like. For the early 2000s, it's not as problematic as some of the other early 2000s sitcoms were. Um and it's just nice to like watch something familiar in these times when you're just kind of chilling. It's winter, it's cold, you want to be in the house. Um so that's my current obsession, I think, this week. Uh, but yeah, Brandon, thank you for sitting here yes. with us and talking uh, with for us. Having me.
2: Thank you. Um
0: before you go, where can the people find information on Broadway for racial justice to donate to volunteer also where they, can they find you?
2: So Broadway for racial justice, if you go to www.bfrj.org, you can find a donate button there. You can find the volunteer forms there. You can find um, the emergency assistance fund application, like lots of resources on the website. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Broadway for racial justice. Um, you can follow me at Brandon Michael Nace. It's a lot of like screaming about white people. and <laughs> Oh, I love it.
0: <laughs> Brandon, we're going to let you go, but thank you so much for Don't sitting here with me. us you've been great we love having you you're welcome here every time anytime all the time
1: you just listened to another episode of fourth wall the podcast if you like fourth wall head over to apple Podcasts and give us five stars you can also follow our journey on instagram at this is fourth wall and on facebook at fourth wall and if you have any questions ideas for new episodes thoughts want to submit a letter that we can read aloud or just want to say hey email us at fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com that is fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com all right y'all I hope you guys have an amazing amazing week and we will see you next time for some good i mean good conversation on fourth wall the podcast bye y'all